0: Would you turn to Joshua chapter 14? Joshua chapter 14. As we are moving through Scripture, uh, I'm intending and I have threatened, I promised uh, to be in, in Proverbs here before too long, but the problem is I keep uh, finding passages in my daily devotion that I want to uh, bring to you. And this is such, uh, one of these passages that have captivated my heart. I love the, I love the man, Caleb, um, anyway. And this passage and the whole story of Caleb is one in which uh, really challenges my heart. And uh, so I, I think it will be something that will be beneficial to all of us as well. Think of the awesome things that you have seen. Maybe you stood over the... Uh, The cliffs of the Grand Canyon saw the wide expanse. Maybe you've seen some of the wonders of the world, seven, eight, nine, or one or two, how many are left. Maybe you've seen these great things and you marvel at them and you said, you know, I've been somewhere, I've seen a few things. And then think about what Caleb saw. Think about what Caleb saw. Uh, Take it back to the time of Moses. And I'm thinking of the time of the, uh, the Israelites in the land of Egypt. Remember the ten plagues? Remember Moses telling Pharaoh, God has said to let his people go. And think about what Caleb saw. The children of Israel on the run from Egypt. The army behind them. The Egyptian army behind them. And a, an impassable sea in front of them. And Caleb saw... The great hand of God worked that day, and the only picture I have of it is just Charlton Heston, uh, and uh, standing at the, the sea, and the wind blow, and God, by his, the breath of his mouth, roll back the water on each side, and the children of Israel cross over on dry land. And then you think about the awesome power of God as he releases the waters, and it collapses upon the armies of Egypt, the chariots, the horsemen. Caleb was there. Caleb was there. Caleb was there when they regrouped on the other side, when they headed out from the Red Sea. Caleb was there as they uh, all encamped around the mountain of Sinai. When God gave Moses the law, Caleb was there. He saw the cloud of the glory of God hanging above that mountain. Caleb was there. Caleb was there when God said to, to, to Moses, I want you to send out uh, 12 men to spy out the land of Canaan because I promised it to you, so I want men to go. And Caleb was there because Caleb was one of those men, he and Joshua. And so there with the 12, they go into that land and they spy out the land and they saw the goodness of that land. They saw the wonderful things that land. Remember the story of the grapes that were just almost so heavy. Um, the two men with a with a uh, rod between them to carry it back, and the good things of the land. And as they looked at it, they, they saw that this land will support our people. And God has said that He would give it to them. But when they came back, uh, ten were fearful. Ten were afraid. As we think of this uh, this time, and this is around depending on how you date things, around fourteen hundred BC, and um, or, or actually 1440, 40, 40 BC. And as they look at this, um, well, let's let Caleb give the the word here. Um, as God is speaking to Moses, shall he says, shall by no means um, I, they see the land which I swore to their fathers. Um, so basically, the, the, the people of Judah come near Joshua. They come near Moses, and they see uh, the ten who say no, and the two who say yes, we should go. And um, God judges the people. Caleb was there when God said, "Everyone." above the age of 20, who listen to the words of the ten, you will not see that land. Now, Caleb was 40 years old at the time. So Caleb wasn't, uh, he was right in the middle. He was a young man. Um, as he saw that, he saw the judgment of God. And can you imagine Caleb with Joshua and the children of those people watch people one by one die there in the desert as they wandered. And then finally, God says, Let's go. Here's the words of God But my servant Caleb, because he has had a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land which he entered, and his descendants shall take possession of it. Caleb and Joshua, the only two. And so we come to the point here, of fast-forwarding. So they come to the point, uh, 40 years they wander through the wilderness. Now at 1400 BC, in that area, God brings them into the land. And so here is uh, four or five years of conquering, of battling, to receive the land that God has promised. These people who are... Um, are obeying God as they conquer a land of people who are horrible in how they, they treat others. Those who worship Molech, who give their children to be offered. Uh, those who would sacrifice themselves and others to the gods of their land. God com- commands Joshua and the people to conquer the land utterly. And so we come to... The, to um, to Joshua 14, and so battle has been going on, they've been capturing, and Caleb has a few words for Joshua. And so let's pick up our reading here. And our reading in, in Joshua chapter 14, verse 6, uh, he says to them, uh, So then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh and the Kenzanites said to him, you know the words the Lord spoke to Moses as the man of God concerning you and me in Kadesh-Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses the servant of the Lord sent me from Kadesh-Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back a word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I follow the Lord my God fully. As he begins to recount this, Joshua of course knows. And I think it's interesting that the, the, the men of Judah come up with him, and they come up in support of this one. Eighty-five years old now. We'll see. He'll, he, he proclaims that proudly here in a, in a few moments in the Scripture. Eighty-five years old. He comes to Joshua, and he says, Remember what Moses said. Remember what we, by God's hand, were able to do in living to this point, Joshua. Joshua says, Yes, of course. He said, and remember that what happened with the brethren who were with us, who believed the ten, and how they made the heart of the people melt with fear. And the people's heart melted, and they rejected the word of the Lord there. And remember that, yes, but I follow the Lord my God fully. Remember Moses said this, and the passage we read in Numbers. Joshua, uh, Caleb says this of himself. I follow the Lord. Notice a couple things. Notice the faith instead of fear. Notice that Caleb exhibited faith instead of fear here. Notice the one who God uses. You know, rarely does God use the one without faith. Rarely does God use the one who is in fear. Now we think Gideon, he was was pretty fearful at the time. And God said, I'm going to use you, Gideon, despite of your fear, because I am God, and I can do this. I don't need you, but I'm going to use you. But most often, God uses the one, not necessarily the most qualified, but the one who is most full of faith and not fear. So he does so here in this situation. So Moses swore on that day, verse 9, Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and your children forever. You remember this? So Moses said, by God's word, you're going to walk across the land, and whatever place your foot touches will be yours. And Joshua says, I'm going to claim this promise for myself, that God said, the land that upon I, which my foot tread, trod, that land will be mine. I'm going to take this as my inheritance. <clears throat> Moses said that because, here again, you see this phrase, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now there's a couple aspects in here. There's the aspect of obedience. First we saw faith, now the aspect of obedience. See, Caleb and Joshua, but Caleb did exactly what God told him. He walked in faith. And he remembered the land that he had walked upon 40 years prior. He remembered this land. And so he says, yes, this is the land, because he was obedient to it, because he trusted God, he had faith in God, this is the land which I desire that Moses said that I could have. You now look what he says here. He says here, now, behold, the Lord has let me live just as he spoke. These 45 years. From the time the Lord spoke this word to Moses when Israel walked in the wilderness, and now, behold, I am 85 years old. Now notice here in this passage that Caleb assigns his strength and his longevity to God. God has let me live. It is by God's gracious hand that he is there standing, talking to Joshua and the company of the men of Judah at this moment. It is God that has given him strength. It is all of God. So verse 11, I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. As I look at this verse, I, I see the perseverance of Caleb in his mindset. His mindset, it's not that Caleb was just a, he had more grit than everybody else. And by George, well, they didn't have George, it was not a name in Hebrew. It was, uh, by Samuel, I will, I will do this, and I will accomplish this land, I will conquer this. It wasn't that he just had a greater character than us. It's that he, he trusted God, he had faith in God, and so his simple obedience was the practice of his life. And so there he took those 45 years God had promised this, I will see that God will provide this. And so he comes. My strength is of God. My perseverance is of God. God has made this promise. I go out. I come in by God's strength. 12, verse 12. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you have heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. And perhaps the Lord will be with me, and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. In my mind, I think he's smiling on the word perhaps. Like, Perhaps. No, he says the Lord has spoken. Now, Anakim. So, you remember the reason why they didn't want to go in, the ten? There are giants in the land, and they're huge. Um, and if you also remember, they were in that part, the hill country, also what we think of the Gaza Strip, but up the strip of uh, land, um, Philistia, Philistines, um, Goliath, those areas there. Well, this is the re- very reason that they didn't want to go into the land. We, we, we look like to them, I'm sure they think of us as grasshoppers. So why go into the land and be beaten and defeated and killed? And, and let's just go back to Egypt where they love us, right? And that was the word that they said that 45 years prior. This is the, the thought that was in the mind of most of the people. And so here Caleb is, is acknowledging the fear that was there the anakim the giants that were there he acknowledges that that but he also says god would honor his word he understands that god honors his word that they were there that day they're still there okay and and, and here's the reason if you kind of read through the whole passage um many of the lands where the giants were were kind of skirted around this particular was the headquarters you'll see in a, in a moment here verse 13 it says now, uh, so Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron, uh, which we'll see the name of it in just a second, to Caleb the son of Jephunneh for an inheritance. Verse fourteen. Therefore, Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenzanite until this day, because he followed the Lord of his uh, God of Israel fully. Now, when the name of Hebron was formerly Kirath Arba, for Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim, and the land had rest from the war. <laughs> Caleb says, no, no, not only do I want the land where giants are, I want the land where the biggest giant is. That's the one I want. Because why? Because I'm strong and I'm such a man of courage. No, because God has promised this. God has promised this, so I will take that land that he has promised, because that's part of the land that, as we spied, my foot stepped on. And remember God's promise. So here it is, a man, Caleb... Now 85 years old, ready yet for another, for another conquest, for another walk of obedience unto God. See, his perseverance, his, his love for God, his faith in God, and his obedience in God allowed him to confidently trust God for this land. Hebron is a very important city. Here's, uh, I thought you'd be interested. This is from 1899, the stereoscope. If you don't know what that is, find someone who does. But you look through things and, yeah, you had one when you was your kid. Uh, this is the land of Hebron from the turn of the century, the, the one before. Uh, pretty neat. Let's, let's give you a little better kind of a geographical location. Um, Hebron's there in the middle. If you go straight north and a little bit to the uh, east, you'll see Bethlehem. And at the very top, you'll see Jerusalem. So you'll see that there, uh, Makeda, uh, a fight there they've already had uh, at this time of, of Joshua's writing in Joshua 14. Eglon, Lachish. Uh, all of these are battles. This is kind of depicting this, the conquest of the southern, um, conquest of the land of, of Israel here. At Canaan is coming in. And so you have this. Around And this, this is kind of right in, it's off the wilderness, Dead Sea is on your right there on the, on the west. This is off the wilderness, a, a, a very uh, desolate land, right in Hebron. Now Hebron is a very, Kiryat Arba, is a very important um, city for, for Israel as it goes on. You remember where Sarah was buried? Sarah, the wife of Abraham? Caves, Machpelah, right outside this area, Hebron. Hebron. Right there. Um, David crowned king Hebron. Hebron becomes a very central city until Israel is taken, uh, Jerusalem is taken and conquered as David comes in, for, finally forces out the Jebusites, which weren't forced out a few years after this time we're thinking about this. Reading. Hebron is a very important city to Israel. It will be coming at this point, after, the years following this. And it, is, it, it gains importance because Caleb was a man who was willing to act upon what God had said, knowing that God is faithful to his word. And so in faith, he was obedient to the word. Let me zoom back out just for a little larger picture so you can get a little better. Um, so Hebron, we're at the lower part here, Carmel, Beersheba. Um, remember Dan from Beersheba. Um, Dead Sea. So all of this area here, as he comes, if they come across, right above the Dead Sea, as they come across the Jordan, and they come down the southern area, this was one of the last strongholds to be conquered because of the giants. And you may say, Stacy, that's a great story. Um, I'm not going to take up a sword and fight anytime soon. I love Caleb, he's a great guy, and I appreciate that, but... You know, how does that apply to daily life? I'll learn a couple things about God first of all. Through this, what do we learn about God? Number one, that God is faithful. Think about entering in, uh, crossing over the Red Sea. God's going to take them back to the land that 400 years or so they had already been in. Okay, so they're going to come back in. They're going to come back up to this. And so that is God's intention as they cross the Red Sea to take them from Egypt into the promised land along the way to give the law, to give all these things until they rebel and say, no, we're not going to do it. We are too fearful. But look what God does. God is still faithful to his word. He said, I will promise. I will give you the land. He had a covenant to Abraham. He made promises to Joseph even god is faithful to his word god will complete that which he begins god is faithful the very most important thing we can learn about god as a believer along the way of life he has saved us yes he's rescued but we must learn that god is a god in whom we can trust that he is a faithful god this is not a God that is capricious or has whims that go back and forth. The time that God delays His plan, often in Scripture we see is because of the disobedience or the faithlessness of those who follow Him. But God is always faithful. Always faithful. The second thing we need to know, because this is figures... Uh, So important into our our hearts and lives that God is mighty to accomplish his will. Those 40 years, 45 years, point that wasn't because God was incapable, right? It wasn't that God was the problem there. The people failed to trust him to go into the land. Never forget that your God, if indeed you're a follower of Christ, your God is mighty and faithful and will accomplish his will. He may delay it for a while. Sometimes in our own personal life, he delays it a while to, for us to, to be obedient and catch up with what he's trying to do. But it's never the case that God is not mighty. We're stubborn, yes. We are recalcitrant. We don't always obey. God is mighty. He will accomplish his will. Third thing that we learn about God God empowers those who do his will. The life of Caleb tells us that it is God that gave the strength to Caleb at 85 years old to accomplish the work that God had told them to do. And you follow this along, God gives a command, and as we have said before, within the command that God gives to us is the power, the ability to obey the command. God empowers those who does His will. Because you and me we like to say, oh, I can't do it, God. I don't have the strength. No, you don't. No, I don't. It's by the work and the power of God. We've been studying the work and the effect of the Holy Spirit in First John and how He strengthens us to understand truth from error. That's not our own natural ability. Because, you know, if it was up to us, we'd probably lick our fingers stick in the air and see which way the wind's blowing. It's the empower of God, what God commands. So we learn about God that he is faithful. He is absolutely faithful. We learn about God here that he is mighty. He is mighty and powerful to accomplish his will. And we learn that God empowers those who does, who will set out to do his will. What do we learn about us in the account? Well, the passage teaches us that God expects us to have faith in him and obedience. It's interesting. God doesn't ask much besides all of us, all of me, all of you. He asks faith. He asks obedience. Well, don't I need to be smarter? Well, fortunately, for my sake and your sake, I'm not smarter, okay? It is not the ability of you—I'm not saying don't get an education—it's not upon your ability that God asks. He doesn't need you or me to accomplish His will. He invites us into His program, into what He's doing, His mission on the earth of bringing men and women and boys and girls to a saving knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, He invites us along the way for that. And so he expects us to have faith and obedience to his command. To trust that he will do what he says he will do to simply obey in light of that trust. It's expected from the follower of Christ. Secondly, I love this, age not be a factor. Scripture is full of this. From the young Samuel to the 85-year-old Caleb. Now, yeah, you're 85, you may not be picking up a sword. It was an extra measure of strength and grace that God gave to him. But there is no retirement in the work of God. Sometimes you change careers. Age need not be a factor. From the youngest follower of Christ that sits here this evening, faith and obedience is within your reach. You can have faith and trust in God. You can be obedient to God. It doesn't have to be an adult. One day I'll reach that. It isn't that you have to be a certain age or a certain qualification or a, a certain education level or maybe a social economic level. When God expects faith and obedience, he gives the empowerment to obey and to to have faith to all who are willing to place their lives in their hands. Willingness to serve. Age doesn't need to be a factor. Next, be patient while God works. Caleb had an amazing amount of patience, we would seem it would seem. He was a man of action, so I'm sure it he had swallowed heart a couple times. Forty years in the wilderness. Sadness of seeing people die, but also understanding the, that God had already promised him a place. Already had promised him, and so he was patient while God works. We need that. His time is not our time. God's uh, scope of, of eternity. He sees what we do not see. And he works in ways that we do not know. Patience. As he does so. Patience does not mean that we're not obedient. Or we're not active. Patience is contentment with God. As he develops us. As sometimes we suffer under... The disobedience of others, but patience, that God will, in his strength and power, accomplish his work. Last one. God wants all of you. Every part of you. God wants it. So here's the thing on this side of the cross. Sorry, in all my timelines, the cross is here and we're this way. Um, on this side of the cross, as we look back at the work that Jesus has done for us on the cross, the saving work is not of our own. It's by him, his grace. We place our faith in him for forgiveness of sin, of a home in eternity someday when we go to be with God. And we have given ourselves to him. And he desires for us to follow, as Caleb did, fully to follow God fully. And so he wants all of you and me. It is within the human nature, the sin nature, to hold back parts, to hold on to things, to keep them back. And we all feel that struggle um, more than we care to admit. But God wants all of us. And when I stop struggling in my life, giving God all of me, boy, the peace and the joy and, yes, the opportunity to serve and obey come flooding my way. I don't know, we think about sometimes the, the stress in the life of a believer who, who struggles with full, fully giving himself to God. There's a lot of stress on us because of that. God says, I gave all, you give all of yourself to me. And when we don't, there's a tension. There's a pull. And maybe you've had that like I've had it. I keep having to learn the same lessons over and over again. Like, didn't I, no, I I guess I didn't learn that because God sent that lesson again. He you didn't think red-headed people were stubborn. No, at all. And here it is that God, he says, I want every part of you. Every part, because this is, this is the phrase that is said of Caleb almost every time he is mentioned in the word of God. And it's this, that he followed God fully. And here is the lesson for us in Caleb. That's so why I love this passage because it reminds me and brings me to my knees every time that you and I, I, let's stop with you, let's stop with me, I have to follow God fully. I can't hold things back. I have to give everything to Him. My ambition, my worries, my cares, everything to Him. To follow Him fully as Caleb did. And you, in your lives, as you, if you're indeed a follower of Christ, God calls you to follow him fully. To have the joy and peace of not necessarily knowing not what's next, but the joy and peace that comes from abiding in God. I think it's a very similar thought the following God of the Old Testament fully comes into the New Testament, this side of the cross, of an abiding, dwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. And that, see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only came upon people in certain times from certain ways and in certain um, things that God was wanting them to perform. And this side of the cross, in the New Testament, we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, giving us the power and the aid to live as God requests. And that's where the struggle is of following Him fully. It's the abiding that we feel, and yes, sometimes it's very much an emotional thing, as well as intellectual and heart, is an emotional thing that we abide in Christ, and the peace that comes, the joy in circumstances that not all, are not always the best. Following God fully, abiding in God, is, is what he desires of us. My challenge to you this evening is, is really the challenge of, are you following God fully? No, I wasn't any more original than that. It's very simple. The text keeps coming back and hammering that. the Caleb is one. It's not like, oh, I want to be like Caleb. Be good. Be, be great. It is, that, it is that I give my all to him. It is that you give your all to him. Because we have above this text, if we pull back to the 30,000 foot view, we have a God that is working his will and way in the children of Israel to accomplish what he desires to accomplish on earth, to raise up a people that will glorify his name. And he's desiring people to do so in such a way, an obedience and faith to him. And as we pull back and, and see a linear view, we see now that as, as God worked in the Old Testament now, in the New Testament, in this era of, of grace that we, in which we live, we see that he desires people to glorify his name with the spread of the gospel and to living out holy lives that point to Christ. And the way we do that is to follow God fully. And there it is. A decision you and I have to make every day. When I get up in the morning, I will follow God today. Don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes God shuffles the calendar. But however he shuffles it, Will you say, God, I'm following you? Let's bow. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your mercy, uh, Lord. Uh, you have so challenged my heart with this passage this week, and I pray that it would be a passage that would challenge hearts and lives tonight. God, your Grace is sufficient. Remember, as you use the Apostle Paul to write in our weakness, for Paul it was a, an unnamed infirmity. You say, My strength, God's strength is made perfect in weakness. And so, Father, we as weak individuals, we give our only life to you. And so would you work in our hearts and lives today? May we devote all to you. And Lord, would you, by your grace and mercy, would you do a work in each of us? Father, that it may be that we accomplish well what you have for us. It may not be a mountain or a hill country. It may be just a a grassy area. But whatever it is you have for us, would we be faithful and obedient? May we see your hand work. Lord, may we see your hand work in our lives here, in our our community here. May the Holy Spirit work in hearts and lives in Greenville County we see an unusual working of your spirit for hearts and lives to be changed. That you may receive the glory. And may we start with us committing ourselves fully to you. Lord, we will praise you and glorify you and what you will do through us and in us. For you alone are worthy of our praise. One of our glory, But in Christ name I pray. Amen.